This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by Wesley Willis, by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, and by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, you can get a hold of the show any way you want. Um, check out JohnPielli.com for the latest shows and you know a bunch of different things that I find uh, passionate as we talk about the world of baseball sports and unifying America. And I was thinking about a couple different ways we're going to start the show off today. And um, I wanted to jump right into why Joe Kelly was wrong for throwing behind the head of Alex Bregman in the game between the Dodgers and the Astros the other day. And it's not for the reason that you think. Baseball has had a way for 150 years of the players policing themselves. In other words, if there's an issue within the game, it's the responsibility of the players to do something about it. They don't tattle. They don't call the teacher or the police. They police themselves. And baseball's had a history of doing that. In fact, when it comes down to it, I don't have any issue whatsoever with Joe Kelly getting some sort of retaliation for what he feels the Astros did in 2017 and maybe beyond. The Astros, who may have not been the only team that has ever cheated in the history of Major League Baseball, had an example made out of them after the investigation by Major League Baseball determined that they did what they did. And because of that, there's going to be many within the community of baseball that are pretty pissed off about what the Astros did. So in some way, there's going to be some sort of retaliation. But here's why it's wrong. Baseball is on the verge, and its 2020 season is on the verge of extinction. There's a chance that within the next couple weeks, there may not be a baseball season at all. Baseball agreed to come back under a certain set of terms when it comes to the health and safety of their players. And one of them, one thing that both the players and the owners agreed to was the lack of antagonization, antagonization and uh, you know, violence or anything that was instigated amongst the players on the field. Arguing with umpires is thought down upon. Fights and conflicts amongst players was thought down upon. Not because we're trying to play a different game, but for the safety and health of the players. So Joe Kelly, as he try, has tried to do, he's become Mr. Police Officer. He feels like he has taken it upon himself to try to better the game of baseball, to try to make baseball better for the players, to try to recreate and enact revenge on things that he feels unholy and unjust should have waited until maybe the end of the season when the conditions get a little bit better. Maybe in the season of 2021 when there's less fear of the coronavirus. 
we have a team in the Miami Marlins that is, it you know has a chance. They may not, they may not play another game this year. They may complete the 2020 season with three games played. Now they're going to try to put something together, but they're at an extreme disadvantage because at this moment, and we know the number keeps increasing day by day, they have 18 players out of their 30 that have the coronavirus. The St. Louis Cardinals have two players that have the coronavirus. And there's a chance, as we hit what we'll call the opening point of the PBS, that that is going to increase over time. Games are being postponed. Games are not being played in what we're already looking at a little more than one-third of what a regular baseball season would have entailed. And Joe Kelly, for the promotion of none other than Joe Kelly, feels like this is the time to police the game of baseball. And I have no issue. I may even go as far as saying that I have no issue with Joe Kelly throwing behind Alex Bregman's head. Sometimes the commissioner and sometimes the game of baseball, through its rules, doesn't do enough to punish the offenders. And when that happens, that's when players take matters into their own hands. And if this was 2021, if there was a, a packed crowd of 30 to 40,000 people in a Major League Baseball stadium, I wouldn't have an issue with Joe Kelly buzzing Alex Bregman. Now, does Alex Bregman deserve it? That's for a whole different discussion. I don't want to talk about how I feel there's been cheating in baseball for all along because the Astros are the example that was made to make this point. So there's going to be some retaliation. You understand that at some point in time, there's going to be somebody that's going to say, listen, I don't like what the Houston Astros did. I believe they cheated. They cheated my game. They cheated my team. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. The problem is, in the year of 2020, when we're battling the coronavirus, when we have a season that is just over one-third of what would be its normal season, when there's no fans in the stands, when players have to be socially distanced with the fear of an outbreak within a sport that you've already seen decimate one team and may be working its way to decimate another, This is not the time and place. And Joe Kelly going out there for his shameless self-promotion, thinking he's doing this for the betterment of the game. If he did it next year, if he did it during a season this year that was not under the confines of the coronavirus, I may agree with him. I don't agree with him right now. He is putting, by having those players rush the field and get close, and I know they're thinking, hey, we're not going to throw punches here. But what if there was one person on that field that was asymptomatic and may maybe pass that on to somebody else and you have another outbreak within a sport? And Joe Kelly cares about policing the game. Once again, it's not about what he did. It's about the time that he chose to do it. And Mike, we'll talk about Cooperstown over the course of time. The issue that I have here is not whether Joe Kelly or any other pitcher has the right to throw at a Houston Astros batter. Like I said, I don't think that the Astros are the only ones that are wrong here. Maybe evidence will prove that 
more Major League Baseball teams were using cameras to manipulate the replay monitor to steal signs that we'll ever know at all. But I think when you're watching every day the Miami Marlins have another player or two that has the coronavirus, you're starting to see the seriousness of what has hampered a sport, which, by the way, is not essential. If you listen to my shows over the last couple months, as much as I love sports, as much as I love baseball, sports are not essential. We don't need sports to survive. And if we took time off, let's say, the rest of the year and had no sports, yeah, there'd be people suffering. There'd be people that would be bored. Gamblers would have a hard time. The diehard sports fans like you and I would have to try to find something else to do. But it's not a matter of life or death. And Joe Kelly, to completely disregard what's going on right now and making it about enacting his revenge on how he feels like he was wronged by Alex Bregman. I'm sorry. With all due respect, he was wrong. He wasn't wrong with throwing it out of Spregman's head. He was not wrong by starting a confrontation with the Houston Astros. He was wrong because of his choice for the time to do it. Now, this copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, baseball, as it continues to go by and we try to find solutions to the many different problems that exist in trying to complete even a 60-game Major League Baseball season, continues to change its rules, continues to do things that you never would think was fathomable amongst a sport that has stood for a uniformity of rules that have existed in the game for many, many years. Seven-inning doubleheaders are something that I think of and my skin starts to turn. I think of a seven-inning doubleheader, and I don't think of baseball. I think of beer league. I think of Artie Lang's team going up against Dennis Manganelli. I think of some, you know, softball team amongst 40 to 50-year-old men with their bellies out like me drinking a bunch of beer, getting drunk before the game. I don't think of professional baseball. But within the confines of what we're dealing with right now, I understand why baseball has, has to take a stance to try to complete something that, let's be serious, may not be able to be completed. The commissioner and Tony Clark, the players, you know, union leader, have discussed the possibility of having to stop the season, put the season to a halt perhaps even cancel the rest of the baseball season. These are all things that may very well happen. But thinking about changing rules, maybe to back an agenda, 
maybe the commissioner wants to be known for all these different things that he's done a universal dh the three batter minimum a runner starting from second base in extra innings and now seven inning double headers you can put this all on commissioner manfred's watch and whether you like it or don't like it he's going to be the one that's going to be remembered for doing this maybe this is his own personal agenda but I'm willing to take a little bit of a step back and understand the reason why things are being done the way they are. You have a team in the Miami Marlins that hasn't played a game in over a week. It may be an indefinite period of time before they play another game. Baseball basically has their own you know, season-ending drop-dead date that they don't seem to be discussing extending very far. They decided that there's going to be 16 out of its 30 teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year. So the amount of time to be able to make up games is at an essence right now. You're going to have to get a whole lot of double headers, particularly by the Miami Marlins, to be able to finish the season. Now, number there's a couple different things that are going against the Marlins right now. Number one, to have to play as many games as possible. Doubleheader after doubleheader is not going to be fair to one team that has to play all these doubleheaders. And to have to do it with likely some sort of B or C list group of players, because how many players are going to be back in time? How many players have been impacted by the coronavirus that may not get a chance to play at all this season? And within that, how good are those players? Are they their, you know, your star, star pitcher, your star hitter? Obviously, the Miami Marlins are going to have to field a compromised team. Now, they're not going to have it easy. So, to take these games and say, you know what? Do they really have to play all these nine-inning double headers just to be able to get to a reasonable amount of games where we could decide whether or not they qualify for the playoffs? I'm okay with a seven-inning doubleheader. But what I really wanted to talk about is the reason that baseball has come to this point where we actually are considering and at some point are going to have seven-inning doubleheaders. And I believe there's a conspiracy behind it. Some of the conspiracy theorists out there may say that within some of my conspiracies, even I may have lost my mind a little bit. But I think of the use of starting pitching as it applies to baseball and as it, as it has applied for the last series of years. We know the game has changed. We know the need for a pitcher to go nine innings once they start a game is not there anymore. That's not their job. Their job is to get through the batting order a couple times, hopefully get through five innings so they could qualify for a win. Now you got these saber nuts that may want to change the rule of what qualifies a pitcher for a win to not have to finish five innings anymore. And I hate to say it, as much of a traditionalist as I am, I could see something like that happening down the road. Starting pitchers are not expected to go deep in the games. If they pitch six innings and give up three runs, it's considered a quality start. Like I said, if they get that last batter out, that 15th batter out in the game and finish five innings, they're considered to have done their job. Emphasis has been put in middle relievers that specialize in pitching one inning or the equivalent of a couple outs or three batters, which is the minimum right now that a pitcher has to face. So 
Starting pitchers not having to go nine innings. Maybe only have to go five innings. Has made it easier for baseball to consider changing the length of its own game from nine innings to seven. And the fear that I have is that when we're talking about a 60-game season, a season having to be played with all the restrictions and the issues that exist right now as we're trying to avoid the outbreak of the coronavirus, that this becomes something that becomes standard going forward. And I think we are leaning that way. And that's something that I fear. I fear not as a traditionalist, but to look at a game one way, one year, and see it totally change to a point where it is never the same again. And a lot of it has to do with the change in the use of starting pitchers. Pitchers taken out of a game after they throw 100 pitches. The value of a pitcher we're talking about right now, where Major League Baseball owners are loving that pitchers are only going five innings. The days of having to pay their starting pitchers $30 million are going to be held for the less than 1%. The Jacob DeGroms and the Garrett Coles and the Justin Verlanders and the Clayton Kershaws, and that's it. Your solid number two starter that could be a number one for somebody else isn't getting $30 million going forward because he's not pitching seven innings every start. And the game has changed now that it's going to be okay to play seven inning games because starters are not going deep enough in the games. And while I have a problem with it, I kind of do understand. So I wanted to get into Edwin Diaz for a second. The closer for the Mets had a great year in the 2018 season with the Seattle Mariners. And as you watch him pitch right now in the year of 2020, it's pretty obvious he doesn't have the stuff to be a major league closer. And one of the fallacies that are brought out there when people are discussing a player, especially when they go to a new city, a major city, the biggest city in the United States, New York City, is their inability to play or pitch or perform in front of the bright lights of New York City. And I'm going to debunk that theory as it applies so easily to the game of baseball right now. Edwin Diaz did a terrible job last year. Edwin Diaz did not get the job done last year. In fact, you could say single-handedly that Edwin Diaz may have been the reason why the Mets missed out on making the postseason in 2019. As his season has started, he's pitched three times. He gave up a game-tying home run and had a, a meltdown where he couldn't throw a strike, hit a batter, and was basically letting the game get out of hand against the Boston Red Sox team that may have a hard time making the playoffs when 16 out of his 30 teams are making it. Edwin Diaz is not a major league closer right now. One of the issues exists within the Mets front office, general manager Brody Van Wagenen, traded for Edwin Diaz in a controversial trade that involved one of the game's top prospects in Jared Kelenic, a contract in Robinson Cano where the Mets are going to be paying him for at least the next three-plus seasons, and a deal that has not looked good for general manager Brody Van Wagenen's standpoint. From Brody Van Wagenen, my message to you 
is not to worry about Edwin Diaz. His responsibility, Brody's, is to make sure the Mets are in the best position to get to the postseason. Because let's be serious, if this game is finished, if this season ends up being completed, and you're not one of the 16 teams that are in the postseason, it's a complete embarrassment. Major League Baseball opened up the amount of teams by six that are making the playoffs this year. If you can't be one of the top eight teams in the National League out of 15 teams when a couple of them are already tanking, not even trying, then maybe you should lose your job for this during this year. The worry is not about salvaging Edwin Diaz. The reason that you're trying to put the best roster on the field is not to justify a deal which may go in history as one of the worst ever made. Edwin Diaz should be used as a mop-up man. Edwin Diaz should be used in a position where he, when he comes in a game, the game doesn't matter. And maybe he works on a couple things, builds up a little more confidence, and at some point gets to a point where he can be put in more high leverage situations. So here's where I'm going to address the thing that you've heard me talk about before, the bright lights of New York City. It's how it's so much harder to perform in the spotlight of New York City. The media may be tougher on you than it would be in Seattle. But what are you worrying about going out there to City Field? Did Edwin Diaz give up a home run to the Atlanta Braves because he was tired of the fans screaming and yelling at City Field? Is he going to blame the cardboard cutouts that are sitting there? You know, John Q. Public, who got a goofy, his goofy face sitting on in a cardboard cutout on a seat behind the first base dugout? Is he going to blame crowd noise that exists for making it a little bit too tough for him? Maybe he just doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he's just, I'm going to throw this out there, might be a little bit crazy. Maybe he's just not a good pitcher. Maybe the 28 season that he had, that he got so many accolades for, 57 saves, 120 plus strikeouts, the impressive numbers, maybe that was a fluke. Maybe that was just a result of being in the right place at the right time. Maybe it could have happened in New York if it was that same season. Maybe he threw the ball a certain way that he can't throw again. Maybe he faced a certain amount of hitters for the first time. And now there's a game plan to go up there and face them. Don't bite on a slider. Maybe he's giving up something with his arm angle or his tipping his pitches. The bottom line is the guy just isn't that good. And the problem that we have as fans and analysts and talk show hosts, when, when it comes to evaluating players, is that we don't like to say that simple thing. We don't like to say that that player just isn't that good. We want to make every excuse. Is it the city they're playing in? Is it the use of by the manager or the general manager? Is it the timing that he's, is he, he used? He pitched back-to-back -back days when he pitched for Seattle Mariners, didn't have much of a problem in 2018. All of a sudden, back-to-backs are an issue. Well, how about analyzing the actual results that you're seeing? He's given up home runs. He gave up, what, 15, 16 home runs as a relief pitcher last year? 
there was a couple dozen starting pitchers that pitched 150 plus innings last year. They give, didn't give up as many home runs as Edwin Diaz did. His performance was lousy. You gonna blame the catcher? It's time to blame the pitcher. And once again, if you're Brody Van Wagenen, the focus is to make this team as competitive as possible, to win as many games as possible, to get into the playoffs and have a chance to make a run in the postseason. Not to justify a deal that you made a year and a half ago. There's no way to change this deal. You run Cano out, and if Robinson Cano gets to a point where he is not one of the Mets' eight or nine best players, then he shouldn't be playing every day either. Stop trying to justify this trade. Edwin Diaz is a disaster. The Mets, I thought, made a pretty good move by bringing in Dylan Batances, bringing back Brad Brock, the signing of Jared Hughes, Hunter Strickland didn't work out. Okay, there's enough arms there that you could be able to get through the eighth and ninth inning. Juris Familia is coming to camp and is pitching this year in much better shape than last year. Like I said, you got Batances. Justin Wilson's a good pitcher. Seth Lugo, even though he can't pitch every day, is a good pitcher. You got abilities to get through the important parts of games that you're trying to win. Edwin Diaz, I'd say, hey, get him off the team. But use him in situations that the leverage is not there. Or if you're Brody Van Wagenen, Go out there and try to find another nutcase or try to find another project of somebody that has some potential and maybe cut your losses with Edwin Diaz. We look at Edwin Diaz and we say, hey, he's got a good personality. He's a nice guy. And sometimes we value that a little bit too much when we're judging wins and losses. Athletes have a responsibility to perform. But we as the media, we as the fans, tend to make too many excuses for players that don't seem to perform. It's on Edwin Diaz to get it together. And if the Mets are looking to win and want to make the postseason, like I said, if you don't make the playoffs in 2020 when 16 out of 20 teams are making the postseason, and how many teams may not get a chance to finish their season because of the coronavirus... It's an absolute embarrassment. People should lose their jobs if a team expected to make the playoffs this year doesn't make the playoffs. Stop worrying about a trade that you made a year and a half ago, Brody. We know you're calling the shots there. Make sure the most productive players are being put in the highest leverage situations. Vinny says that Diaz should have been released after last season. Listen, you know, at this point, you you watch his performance, giving up home run after home run, basically throwing a you know it's a home run derby every time he goes in a game. Think about it. He was a longtime Mets fan. Mets have had some bad closers. He may very well go down in the team's history as the worst they've ever had. And if you could get anything for him right now, you'd do it. The problem, once again, is the general manager who stands on his soapbox and is sitting here trying to justify a deal that you can never justify anymore. 
the good part of that deal was Edwin Diaz, and he's not any good. He was probably overrated in 2018 when he was going out there getting 57 saves for the Seattle Mariners. His 120-something strikeouts was a fluke. He may not have the ability to duplicate that again, whether he's wearing a Mets uniform, a Mariners uniform, or a Sugarland Skeeters uniform. What you have to do at some point is understand that you have what you have. You know, when you're trying to go into the past and get the 2008 version of Robinson Cano, that's not going to happen. And I hate to say it, the 2018 version of Edwin Diaz looks like it's further away than the 2008 version of Robinson Cano. And that's got to be scary. A little bit of a recap of the show today. We started talking about Joe Kelly and how I don't have any issue with him policing the game of baseball. He wants to throw behind the head of Alex Bregman. I had no issue with Noah Syndergaard throwing behind the head of Chase Utley in that game in 2016 between the Mets and the Dodgers. Syndergaard knew he wasn't going to hit him. He wanted to send a message. Chase Utley took out Ruben Tejada in a slide, broke the guy's leg, and Major League Baseball did nothing to him. If Joe Kelly's view is that Major League Baseball didn't do enough to punish the players at the Houston Astros, and he sees Alex Bregman digging in that batter's box and that goofy smirk that he has on his face, and he wants to send a message and throw a ball behind his head, I don't have an issue with it. You know what I have an issue with? Doing it in the year of 2020. When Major League Baseball has made it very clear that a couple of the antidotes and the reasons that we're playing baseball games and the things that have to be understood is the fear of the spread of the coronavirus. And it's not so much about the fear of Alex Bregman becoming an ex-Ray Chapman. And for those who don't know who Ray Chapman is, Ray Chapman, 1920 Cleveland Indians, was hit in the head by a pitch thrown by Yankees pitcher Carl Mays. And Ray Chapman died on the field. I'm not talking about the next, you know, player to get hit in the head. I'm talking about baseball, policing itself, which it has the ability to do, but not right now. You got a team in the Miami Marlins that can almost has to suspend operations because of the outbreak of the coronavirus. And baseball said, hey, we don't want any altercations on the field. We don't want any bench-clearing incidents. We don't want fights with umpires. We don't want spitting for crying out loud. Joe Kelly disregards that, says, hey, I want to be the one that's trying to get revenge on the Houston Astros, who, in his mind, cheated everybody. I'm sorry, brother. It wasn't the right time to do it. You want to do it in the month of August when all of a sudden fans are coming back to the stadium? And obviously I'm being a romantic now with this dream scenario that we're going to have fans in the stadium this year. Probably ain't going to happen. But how about the year of 2021? How about the next time we have fans in the stadium? How about when the conditions are enough that we don't have to worry about what games are going to be postponed today because another player gets the coronavirus? 
Joe Kelly, I thought, was selfish, but he was also very ignorant in his choice to do what he did. The other thing I brought up today was the seven-inning doubleheaders. And as time goes by, you're going to understand. And I said the 2020 baseball season, assuming that it gets completed, which we know there's very many doubts about it right now. There's a fear that this season could be canceled any day or any week. But let's say the 2020 60-game season is completed. The three rounds of playoffs and the 16 playoff teams go through. There's going to be one World Series champion, one team that's going to say this season was legitimate. It was worth everything they wanted it to be. They're celebrating their World Series championship. They hang their banner next year. They celebrate on the field, hopefully not getting too close. And 29 other teams are going to think that this season's a complete joke, a complete mockery. They're going to point at things like seven-inning doubleheaders, runners starting at second base in extra innings, 30-man rosters, 60-game seasons, 29 teams in Major League Baseball, assuming that the season gets completed, are going to forget that this season ever happened. So that's why the changes of the rules, as long as they don't become permanent, don't bother me as much. The fear is watching the path of the use of the starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. They used to exist from start to finish. A pitcher was a pitcher. His job was to pitch all nine innings, and if the game went longer than nine innings, he would continue to pitch. Somewhere along the line, relievers became very important. The Sparky Lyles, the Goose Gossages, the Raleigh Fingers, the closers would go out there and pitch the last two innings or three innings if needed. The value of the starting pitcher started to go down to a point where we think five innings a pitcher did his job. Because of that, specialists have become very important. The amount of relievers that you have in a bullpen is very important. And now you're starting to think that nine innings in a baseball game is a little bit too long. And my fear isn't about seven-inning doubleheaders this year. It's about a possibility that baseball games could go from nine innings to seven games down the road. And as a baseball traditionalist, I think that would be an absolute joke. And I would blame the babying of starting pitchers because they become too valuable and possibly because owners don't want to pitch – pay a starting pitcher $30 million. We've seen the value of a starting pitcher go down. Unless you're Jacob DeGrom, unless you're Garrett Cole, unless you're Justin Verlander, unless you're very few pitchers that are in that same category and group, there's no way you're going to be worth $30 million going forward. And I think that's something that the baseball owners are cognizant of. They value they're happy about that. They want their starting pitchers to go less so they can pay them considerably less. They want all-star pitchers being five-inning starters so they could justify paying them less. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what could change baseball going forward. We've watched the universal DH probably becoming something permanent. And if it's not for next year, it probably will be in the future. 
Remember the start and those fans that are older that go back to 1973 and remember the change when the American League, a team that wasn't generating as much revenue as the National League, decided to use the designated hitter, thinking that it's going to get more fans in the seats, going to sell a couple more tickets. And you've watched, as I'm talking about with starting pitchers, the focus being on their ability to throw a baseball and pitch as opposed to hit. Remember Eli Gerba, the lady Eli Gerba, former Yankees and Angel pitcher, telling me that if a pitcher didn't take batting practice, if a pitcher didn't look like they took hitting seriously, the other players on the team were going to judge him. He was not considered somebody that wanted to help his team if he could care less about hitting. Now, the majority of pitchers could care less about hitting. And that's something that baseball has institutionalized and normalized and made okay. If a pitcher doesn't care about hitting, then why should the fans care about somebody standing up at the plate, waving a bat that isn't even trying? The universal designated hitter at some point is going to be justified and understood. And my fear is through these same reasons we're going to talk about the lack of interest in starting pitchers doing a job that they used to do years ago. You know, think about Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson and guys like that, Steve Carlton, Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, Don Drysdale as he's rolling over in his grave right now, Sandy Koufax, saying this is what you got to do now to be considered as good as me. The manipulation of starting pitchers has gotten to a point where it really is changing the game of baseball and may very well ruin it. May very well ruin this game right before our eyes. And when down the road you see a universal designated hitter, which has been spoken out to everybody as being okay, even me, the baseball traditionalist, has no problem with a universal designated hitter. Starting pitchers don't want to hit anyway. I blame the starting pitchers. I blame the development of starting pitchers. I blame starting pitchers over the last 20 years. Next starting pitcher I see, I want to ask you, ask them, why don't you give a shit about hitting? Why? Because you were told not to? Because you're told you're just a pitcher? Generations of baseball pitchers are rolling over in their freaking graves right now. And you think that's okay. But I'm telling you, while I'm not upset about the universal designated hitter, I can see a time where you're going to have seven inning baseball games. And that is going to piss me off. I could deal with it for this season. Like I said, that one team may win the World Series or zero teams may win the World Series. If the series gets canceled altogether, then everybody's going to just forget that it happened. But if we end up having a World Series champion, it's going to be one World Series champion and 29 teams that are going to forget this year ever existed. And I'm okay with that. With that, all your stupid rules and all your stupid changes can go right by the wayside. And I look forward to a healthy 2021 I look forward to spring training with fans in the stands. I look forward to opening day with fans in the stands and a real baseball season next year. But I'm still worried about the evolution of the starting pitcher, which I believe is running the game of baseball. Spent a little time talking about Edwin Diaz and 
for those that want to say that Edwin Diaz cannot handle the bright lights of New York City. Well, what is it about this season that he can't handle? He can't handle that goofy face of the cardboard cutout in the the sands. He can't handle that pumped-in fake crowd noise at City Field. He can't handle those empty seats throughout the stadium. He can't handle the opposing players sitting in seats in the stands, socially distanced six feet away. What is it about New York City and City Field that Edwin Diaz can't handle? Problem is, he's not a good pitcher. And when we sit here and we try to stick up for all these athletes and say it's because of this or because of that, and we never like to look them in the eye and say, you know what, you're just not good enough. The 2018 season that Edwin Diaz had with the Seattle Mariners was a fluke. Can you deal with that? Can you just accept that the guy isn't any good? Brody Van Wagen is still trying to justify a trade that he made a year and a half ago. Unfortunately, there's that trade. And there's Omar Minaya's trade when he was the general manager of the Montreal Expos when he traded Bartolo Colon to the Cleveland got Bartolo Colon from the Cleveland Indians in exchange for Cliff Lee, Grady Sizemore, and Brandon Phillips. You're talking about the two worst trades made in Major League Baseball history. Brody's got to own up to that. He's got to accept that. And if he wants the Mets to be successful in the year of 2020, where 16 of the 30 teams are making the playoffs, he's got to think about what's best for the team, not what's the best for Brody Van Wagenen. And what's best for the team is to not use Edwin Diaz at all, is to somehow take him off the roster. But if you can't do that, you use Edwin Diaz in the lowest leverage situation possible where he doesn't hurt you. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and by legendary singer Wesley Willis. We'll be back with you next week. Hope you enjoy it. Whatever baseball you got left, keep your prayers out there for the players. Nobody gets the coronavirus from here on out. You worry about the Marlins because it looks like they really, really got this thing bad. Every day goes by, you hear another player's got it. Now St. Louis Cardinals, a couple players. Just remember, when it comes down to it, you got you know basketball starting, you got hockey, football maybe. I'll leave you with this. It's a point I made a couple times over the last couple months. Sports, as much as we love them, are not the most important thing right now. They provide a great sanctuary. They really allow us to get away from all our troubles, all the things that bother us, all the things that annoy us about everyday life. But they're not essential. We could do without sports, especially when it comes to the safety of the fans and the players. And if we hit a point where the coronavirus impacts Major League Baseball enough, totally okay with them canceling the season. Totally okay with them canceling a basketball season and a hockey season if their bubble-like settings end up not working. So enjoy your week. Like I said, we'll be back with you next week. 
You can check out the Past Ball Show, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Check out JohnPielli.com. Top 100 offensive position players of all time. We're working on the book. I want to hear your list. So email me, jrpelli at gmail.com. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.